On this podcast, rather than looking at movies in terms of two thumbs up, two thumbs down, loved it or hated it, we look at them in terms of what we can learn from them as screenwriters. We look at good movies, bad movies, movies that we loved, and movies that we hated. For an ad-free version of this podcast, as well as a full transcript, please visit our website, writeyourscreenplay.com. This week, I'm going to be talking about how to get underneath your writing. If, if your writing is flat, if your writing is uh, not feeling fully connected, if you're blocked in that more subtle way where you're putting stuff on the page but not fully connecting to your characters or your images or your dialogue, when you're feeling like there's a wall between these ideas that you know are in you somewhere and what's actually coming out on the page. Uh, we're going to talk about what to do when you're writing but you're not in flow. Um, but before I do that, I want to talk about uh, some of the response uh, that I got to the last podcast. So in my last podcast, we were talking about writer's block, the, the traditional form of writer's block. And some writers were kind enough to reach out and talk about how that podcast helped them. And of course, I'm grateful for that. But we also got some other responses where writers were saying, hey, I don't even accept that writer's block exists. That, hey, they're just lazy writers and not lazy writers. And if you're a lazy writer, you shouldn't be writing. And real writers show up. And real writers never experience writer's block. And it doesn't exist. Um, and I want to take a moment to address that conception. Um, and I also want to take a moment to address the vehemence that, that a lot of people feel that with. So I want to address the idea of lazy. Um, back a very, very long time ago, uh, when I was struggling on my way up, uh, I used to make a living as an SAT tutor. And um, as an SAT tutor, you learn something very interesting. Uh, so there's a specific kind of mom or dad that calls you up, and you already know the kid is going to be diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, or laziness. <laughs> just from the way that the mom talks. Uh, you're going to get a call and the mom's going to say, you know, he's a lazy kid, he doesn't work, he doesn't care, he doesn't give a crap. Um, I don't even know why I'm paying you for this. And, and I, I loved working with those kids. Because even though all I was teaching them in those days was the SAT, which is probably the most boring thing to teach, Somehow, when we were working together, these lazy kids suddenly transformed into not lazy kids. Uh, and the mom or the dad would come in and be like, I don't know what your magic is. I don't know how you get this lazy kid to study his vocabulary. I don't know how you get this. They couldn't even conceive how I got these kids to do the work. And of course, the secret was uh, I believed in them. Um, and so if you're branding yourself a lazy writer, if you think maybe you just don't have what it takes because you're lazy, uh, I want to suggest to you um, that that is probably not the case. Um, that there are very few actual lazy writers, um, but there are a lot of block writers. Um, and having worked with thousands of them, I can say sincerely that while some people really do struggle with writer's block, some people really don't. There are writers who just never are blocked. They're able to just show up 
at the page. And for those writers, it can be hard to comprehend a writer who struggles to. Um, and there are other writers who have been mostly unblocked for most of their life and then hit a block and start to beat themselves up, start to call themselves lazy, start to tear themselves down, start to say, maybe you don't really want this. Um, there are very, very few lazy writers. Um, there are a lot of scared writers. Um, there are a lot of writers who maybe don't have some of the craft skills that they actually need to to conquer a longer piece or a more challenging piece and they get stuck that way where they, they don't know what to write because they're missing some of the skills of the craft. Just like um, if you put me in a uh, nuclear physicist's office, hey, I'm a pretty smart guy and I'm curious about nuclear physics, um, but uh, I would probably feel pretty overwhelmed if I didn't know the basics, the fundamentals that are, that are required to, to do nuclear physics, and I might just feel overwhelmed, and I might just start to tell myself, oh my god, I'm lazy, right? Or maybe I don't really want this, but really what's happening is I, maybe I can begin to grasp the simple concepts, but no one's taught me the more advanced ones. Um, so there are a lot of writers who get blocked because they struggle with those craft issues. Um, and then there are other writers who get blocked actually on the art issues, um, and, and we're going to talk about that this week, um, where it's actually the feeling of connection that gets blocked in them. So that they're showing up at the page, but they're starting to wonder why. Uh, they're showing up at the page, but they're starting to wonder, do I actually have any talent? Um, they're able to write things that make sense, but they're not able to write things that move themselves or, or other people. And so we're gonna talk this week about how to deal with that. Um, but the last type, um, there are a lot of writers who simply have never learned the structure that's required to build a life as a writer. And what I'd like to suggest is that if you're beating yourself up as a lazy writer, or even if you're beating somebody else up, um, that you might want to recognize that we tend to get lazy and we tend to procrastinate when we are missing a skill that we need. And that if you can simply provide the skill or the belief or the structure that's required, even someone who looks really lazy can suddenly blossom. And we've seen that in our studio so many thousands of times. Um, so many writers who come in and are struggling to even build a rhythm, who end up becoming the most prolific writers in our program when they get those fundamental skills. So if you don't want to be a writer, that's different. Um, go find something you want to do, because if you spend your life doing something you want to do, you're gonna have a really awesome life. But if you do want to be a writer and you're struggling to, to get in, please recognize that calling yourself lazy is part of the cycle that gets you blocked. That instead of trying to call yourself lazy, instead of trying to discipline yourself, that what you actually want to do is you want to ask yourself, what is the skill that I don't have? What is the structure that I need? How do I build this for myself so that I can't fail? And way back in my SAT tutoring days, that was my secret, was I would build a structure for them where they could not fail. And when you build that structure, when someone who is struggling with failure, who has been judged, who other people think they don't have it, when you put that person in a structure 
where they are set up to succeed, suddenly, magically, the laziness goes away. And if a, quote, lazy high school student can get sucked into working on the SAT, you can certainly get sucked into doing this writing thing that you're desperate to do, that you've always wanted to do. So the first thing is just asking yourself, what do you need? What do you need to be successful? What will it take for you to be successful? And maybe it's some of the stuff we covered last podcast, and maybe it's going to be some of the stuff we covered today. So today we're not working on the typical writer's block. We're not writing on I can't write. We're working on I do write, but it's not connected. And this is a much more complicated issue. Um, this is going to take more work to get past. Um, getting a writer writing again is easy. Getting a writer connected again is hard. And, and the reason for that is that we as writers and all artists, we, we live in a society that is not really built for artists. We are taught to wear masks. Um, and we're taught to wear masks starting at a very young age. And we get very, very, very good at wearing those masks. Um, if you watch kids play, uh, the younger the kid, you'll see the less mask they have. Um, you can probably remember when you were a kid, right? And somebody asked you a question, do I look good in this? And you go, oh, you look fat, right? And you said it without any judgment because it was actually what you were seeing. And you didn't have a mask yet. You, you didn't know that, no, that's not what you say. That's not appropriate. And maybe even you learned from your parents and your teachers and your friends that if you just said what you wanted, if you just followed your instinct, and sometimes even if you just told the truth that you were labeled a bad kid or a mean kid or a nasty kid, that people had all kinds of judgments about you, you learned that if you dressed in a way that wasn't appropriate, if you did things that weren't appropriate, if you followed your instincts in a way that wasn't considered appropriate, that people would turn on you, make fun of you, pick on you, hurt you, judge you. You learned all of this. So you learned how to wear masks. Um, and you learned how to wear different masks in different situations. You're with your friends and you wear one mask. You're on Facebook and you wear a different mask. You are with your family and suddenly you're wearing your six-year-old mask again. We learn to wear these masks and these masks keep us safe. Unfortunately, as writers or, or, or as any artist, those masks also have a very negative effect. When you're a child, uh, you actually recognize that the mask is not you. Um, you can probably remember as a kid knowing you were supposed to say something in a specific way and you, you instead end up blurting out the truth and then you remember what you're supposed to say and you try to take it back and then you say a different, a different quote, truth, right? The truth you're supposed to say. Um, you knew that you weren't the mask, you weren't the inner sensor, that that was something else that you had to learn and you had to, to apply on top of yourself. Um, and if you watch kids play, you'll see the, creati the creativity of children, right, comes from having no mask. It comes from the idea that like everything is okay, that kids are masters of improv, that they simply react to each other's and their own impulses. And they're games are fun for that reason. Um, 
Little kids don't worry about whether My Little Pony's story arc is correct uh, or whether, you know, their matchbox cars are achieving catharsis, right? They, they simply play. And what happens to us as adults is the older we get and the more successful the mask is at keeping us safe, uh, the, the smaller the gap between us and the mask until eventually we, we reach a place where we actually can't tell the difference between us and the mask. We start to think that the mask is us. And this is what's happening when you are writing and your words seem so thin. This is what's happening when you go into your mind to try to come up with an idea, to try to see something, hear something, feel something, hear a line of dialogue, write a moment, connect to a character, and your mind goes completely blank. That is actually the mask, that is the inner sensor uh, that you're confusing with you saying this doesn't fit into this very complicated filter that you've created over years and years and years and years and years. And so becoming a successful artist is about learning how to strip away that mask. Uh, but it's a very challenging mask to strip away because we've actually confused it with our identity and because of that we get our ego attached to that mask as well. Like there's a part of us that actually believes in that mask, that needs that. On the page, what happens is that mask helps your writing look like other people's writing. That mask makes sure that you don't get any ideas that might be disruptive or uniquely you or put you at risk. It helps you play within the lines. And there's a time to shape your writing, to make sure that other people can get your writing. Uh, it's just not at the beginning. So what I'm not suggesting here is that everyone needs to become an experimental artist. That's simply not true. We're screenwriters, which means we need to write stuff that other people can connect to and that other people can invest in. We need to write stories that are clear and that make sense. But before we can shape something, we have to learn what it is. And before we can learn what it is, we need to learn to see it, hear it, and feel it. And in order to learn to see, hear, and feel, we need to learn to strip off the mask that cuts us off from seeing, hearing, and feeling. Um, so how do you do it? Well, there are a million ways to do it. Um, and which tool you're going to need depends on you, and it depends on what kind of trauma you've experienced in your life, and it depends on how in touch with your voice you are. It depends on who your mentors are or were, um, what situations you felt safe in. Um, but the, the first step in, in pulling away a mask is you need to make it safe enough for the person to start to remove it. And for a lot of us, we make it impossible for ourselves to even think about removing the mask because of this thing called judgment. Writers are just the most judgmental people towards themselves. We're so lovely towards other people, but when it comes to ourselves, uh, we can be so incredibly judgmental and cruel. Um, if anyone heard you say the things that you're saying to your little inner artist child, they would be calling protective services. Uh, what we say to ourselves as writers is, can be really scary. Um, we beat ourselves up, we pick on ourselves, we tell ourselves we don't have enough talent.
telling ourselves you're never going to make it. We do all of this stuff. And it doesn't come from a bad place. It comes from a good place. We want to be perfect on the page. But the way you get perfect on the page is not by striving for perfection. The way you get perfect on the page is by making it safe enough for this little child writer that lives inside of you to peel away the mask. And that means creating an environment where it's actually safe for them to do it. Um, so one of the ways that you can begin to do that is by just having a little conversation with the editing part of your brain. Uh, and a lot of times you don't even realize that your editing brain is there. Uh, but your editing brain is there all the time. And here's how you know. There's a soundtrack playing in your head 24-7. Unless you have a very deep spiritual meditation practice, there is a monologue running in your head with a thousand thoughts and a thousand ideas and a thousand crazy things 24-7. That's most of us. Uh, it's what the Buddhists would call monkey mind, right? That And yet strangely, when it comes down time to sit down at the blank page, your mind goes completely blank. And even that blah 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 voice can't seem to suggest any ideas. Or you go to write a line of dialogue and you've got a monologue going 24-7 in your head and suddenly you sit down to write your line of dialogue and blank. That blank is just the hand of the inner sensor covering your ears, covering your eyes, covering your mouth, covering your heart, right? It's just the, the, the hand of the inner sensor going, no, 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 too dangerous. So when you feel that, what you want to do is if you see nothing, if you hear nothing, if you feel nothing, the first thing you can do is you can say, well, what does nothing look like? And you might notice that nothing isn't actually nothing. You might not notice, is nothing moving or is it still? Is there a feeling to it? Is there a temperature to it? Is there an image inside of it? Is there a very subtle sound that you can hear? depending on the modality by which you learn, and we'll, we'll talk about modalities in a different podcast, but depending by, on the modality by which you learn, there may be different ways of accept, accessing past that nothing. But what you're looking for is, you're looking for the something underneath the nothing. And it's about getting yourself to a place where whatever that something is, is okay. Even if that something has nothing to do with your story, accepting that, that's what you're seeing, so it must be important. Actually, learning to say yes to whatever you see, whatever you hear, whatever you feel, and learning to put it on the page, not in the best way, but in exactly the way you see it. That's one of the ways with dealing with these blocks. Um, sometimes the, the nothing doesn't look like nothing, and sometimes the nothing looks like a word. Uh, you're like, okay, I need a first line for this character. And you hear, hey, how you doing? You write down, hey, how you doing? And then you write down the other, you say, oh, let me step into the other character. Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? Okay, so you've just written two lines of dialogue and they are totally boring. And now you're beating yourself up because you suck, but those are the lines you heard. And the key is, instead of beating yourself up to learn to look listen, feel more closely. Here's the truth about people. Everybody in the world is really, really weird. There is no normal. Normal doesn't exist. So if you're writing normal stuff on the page, it just means that you're not actually looking 
listening and feeling specifically enough. So if you find yourself writing boring dialogue, writing boring action, writing boring images, writing boring structure, don't get upset, it's cool. Put yourself in a place of acceptance. Hey, at least you're writing something that's more than most people will ever do. You're sitting down at the page. Okay, well, your writing's a little bland. It doesn't feel connected. Okay, who cares? Oh my God, it's cliche. Who cares it's cliche? Right now, we're just opening the door and then the next step is to start to peel back the mask. So how do we peel back the mask? What you do is you close your eyes and if you're strong visual, you start looking. Strong auditory, you start listening. If you're strongly kinesthetic, you start feeling. But you're just going to watch this scene play out, hear this scene play out, feel this scene play out in that little movie screen in your mind. And what you're looking for, you're going to keep looking until you find something that you didn't expect. And when you find that one little thing that you didn't expect, that's where you build from. See, the art of creativity is not actually about being creative. It's not about making shit up. The art of creativity is actually about le learning to look, listen, and feel. Learning to look past the generalization that we tend to see to find the specificity that we really see. So if you are looking at a table you might keep looking until you notice that there are three little scratches on the table. If you are looking at somebody typing on a keyboard, you might notice that there's an ink stain on their finger. If you are looking at somebody walking, you might notice that they're wearing two different color sneakers. All you're doing is you're looking for that one specific thing. And that one specific thing is your way in. And this is actually where you want to get with every line of dialogue, every line of action, every, uh, every piece of structure in your script is you're looking for that one specific thing. So to start to pull back the mask, all you have to do is look more closely. So to start to pull back the mask, all you need to do is listen more carefully. Take that line where the character says, hey, how you doing? and turn it into some, something that you hear that you didn't expect. Huh, I expected him to say, how you doing? But instead, he said, race cars are better than SUVs. Okay, great. Now I have something specific about him. It's not the best line of dialogue, but I'm not looking for the best line of dialogue. All I'm looking for is that one specific thing that I can build on. So to learn how to pull back the mask, the, the first step is we want to create a world where everything is acceptable, even if we're writing normal boring. Then we want to work back into that normal boring. We want to identify every single thing in the script that seems normal or boring. And we simply want to look at it more carefully. One last thing to think about, and again, this is the real art of writing. So I could teach, and I do teach, uh, a 12-hour class. I could teach a 12-year class on this. There is so much. This is, this is our job as writers, right? If, if everyone was not blocked, um, then everything would just come out. Almost every writer has some kind of mask that they're wearing that they need to pull, pull away. 
and even experienced writers, you become a professional writer and you win an award and now you're wearing the mask of being the professional writer and your writing gets all tight, writing gets all tight because you're trying to be so damn brilliant on the page. So it really doesn't matter. This is a lifelong pursuit, right? It's like meditation or golf. <laughs> it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. You're always getting better at it and you're always learning new, new skills, new tools to do it. But this is a way to start. Finding that place of acceptance, telling your editing brain to go chill out for a while. Actually accepting everything you write on the page, even if it's cliche or boring. Then going back in, finding anything you could write the word normal next to. And really just allowing yourself to see it more clearly, to keep looking, listening, feeling, until you find something you didn't expect. And if you start to do that, you'll start to notice that the mask becomes thinner and thinner and thinner, and that you start to recognize that the mask is not you. You start to recognize that your wildest stuff is actually your best stuff. Your stuff that seems like it won't work is actually the stuff that will. So this is where I want you to start to talk about some more craft stuff that you can use to shape that raw material once you start to develop it. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If it was helpful to you, please remember to subscribe on iTunes and write us a review. You can also find a complete transcript of this podcast, as well as our entire library, on our website, writeyourscreenplay.com. And if you'd like to study with me in New York City, online, on one of our international retreats, or as part of our one-on-one ProTrack mentorship program, you can learn more about that on our website as well. That's writeyourscreenplay.com. 